Hello, it's Thursday the 15th of February. I'm Andrew Harrison. Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review, where we run our fingers over the bumps on the media's head to find out what's going on inside that rattly old skull. Melancholy and misanthropy in The Guardian, rage issues in The Mail, a howling windy void in The Express, or the intense humming of evil in The Sun. It's all in there, and we're going to go and diagnose the lot. But firstly, as it's the day after Valentine's Day, I'm just a man standing in front of a podcast audience asking them to chip in three quid a month or more to keep us going by joining the Papercut Supporters Club. Papercuts is the best way to catch up on the news in the morning, but those newspapers won't buy themselves, and our thrusting, talented young producers have starving baby bird-like beaks. So get them fed and help us keep talking about the absolute state of the first estate every weekday. Join the Papercut Supporters Club today. We've been overwhelmed with your generosity, and as we record, we're at 235 supporters. When we reach 250, we're going to do our first live Zoom for backers like OnlyFans, except for news. So get pledging. Just follow the links in the show notes or visit back.papercutsshow.com to sign up. Is it raining money? I hadn't noticed. Okay, that's enough pleading. Here are the headlines for today's show. Congresswoman to Cameron, kiss my ass. The special relationship is going swimmingly, we see. The Secret Life of Arabia. Johnny Depp's bizarre bromance with Saudi supervillain Mohammed bin Salman. And stop putting the teller on pancakes. After Nigella Lawson's fatwa against the spreadable chocolate treat, The Times tells us which foods are vulgar. Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where the papers bring us their work and we write six out of ten see me in red in the margin. Let's say hello to the panel. Holly Thomas writes columns for CNN. She's morning editor for Katie Couric and she is a hardworking journo about town. Good morning, Holly. Morning. And comedian Finn Taylor is coming to your town soon with his show, Ask Your Mother. Good morning, Finn. Morning. Appreciate the plug. Where can listeners get tickets for this? Would that be at finntaylor.com with one N and a Y? Yes, yes. Or the link in my bio. So, right. What have we got the headlines front? Holly, what newspapers do you have? So, uh, The Telegraph is leading with Russia will put nuclear weapon into space, US fears. Subhead, Biden urged to declassify intelligence showing serious national security threat. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, that sounds promising. We'll get into that in a little bit. And then on the right-hand side, we have a smaller story, but obviously very significant. Explosion of hatred against UK Jews since October 7. Outrage. So that's just the yeah. This is yeah. A, is it the community security trust? It's really yeah, this is a grim story. And it appears elsewhere. Yeah. Um. So anti-Semitic incidents have I think nearly doubled since 2021, and. The majority, well, a, a huge proportion of those incidents occurred after October 7th. So, yeah, yeah pretty uh, gnarly stuff. And then on the cover of the eye, we have more good news. Interest rates to remain above 2% for years, says Bank Chief. So doing well. This, of course, comes along with the indications that today we're going to announce officially we're in a recession yes happy recession (laughs) day britain yes so yeah we had valentine's day now we have recession day then the guardian has new ceasefire vote ramps up pressure on stummer so yeah this is um mps preparing to vote on the second parliamentary motion calling for an immediate ceasefire in gaza which yeah alongside all the by-election drama Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a fun fun week for absolutely finn you got the tabloids what have you got So The Sun claims Steve died of broken heart after BBC Axe. That's the very sad news about Steve Wright. 
which the son of sort of used the, it's not it's not um, been released how he how he passed away and the son of sort of using that vacuum to uh, have a go at the BBC it seems yeah the mirror NHS nurses crisis fears for the health service future as student medic numbers plummet I feel like this is a story. It's a very mirror story, that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, massively important, but not being really touched at the same volume by the by the rest of the press. I think just because it always seems to be that they can't get people to be nurses, can they? Yeah, NHS still in trouble, part one million. The Daily Mail leads with the explosion in hatred against Jews in Britain, and the top banner is in the female magazine. We're going to deal with this later, which is what happened when we relived our car crash wedding night in the same hotel room. And there's uh, a kind of screwball comedy style yeah. photographs of them chinking, chinking champagne glasses. Champagne glasses. Husband Phil Robinson looking like he'd rather be anywhere else on the face of the earth rather than the front of the mail. Which, if you read the article, is um, also how he felt on his wedding night. Right. Anyway... Um, <laughs> God bless the star. Thank you, the um, star. In its own universe, cheering us all up. Uh, millions reckon pongy tootsies are adorable. Love is sniffing your smelly feet. So people are being turned on by the stinky feet of their partners. partners and the, the star called this a pongdemic. A pongdemic. <laughs> yeah. It's so like no sort of odorizer angle here, just basically. I think if you're, you know stink. What? if you're a star reader, I think I think you've probably got the best mental health out of anyone who reads the papers. Yeah. Well, you're I, just not being touched by any of the horrible stuff that's going on in the world, are you? We've mentioned the star and we haven't said proud to love animals. Proud to love animals. <laughs> OK, let's cheer things up with a World War Three update. As we've been hearing, there's a series of hot apocalypse stories in today's broadsheets. The Guardian has Cameron urges US to aid Ukraine and not show weakness displayed to Hitler. And The Telegraph has noted Republican fruitcake Marjorie Taylor Greene telling Cameron to kiss my ass. Plus, in a separate story, that warning that the US thinks Russia is preparing to launch a nuclear weapon into space. Holly, firstly, what's going on with Cameron? He's trying to get the Republicans on side to support the war effort in Ukraine. You would imagine, we'd always imagine that Republicans would stand very strongly against Russian aggression, wherever it came from. Times have kind of changed. They have. So yes, he's urging US lawmakers to pass a bill and not to show the weakness displayed against oh. Hitler. So, you know, not to appease Putin. The complicated thing with this bill is it's tied up. It's a 95 billion pack emergency spending package, which includes a lot of defense spending for Ukraine, but also for Israel and Taiwan, mm -hmm. various other places. Um, so therein lie the complications. And I think the most compelling argument, basically, that Cameron makes is that... In, in terms of a US listener, is the US isn't the only place that's spending money on Ukraine. The EU is, other countries are, but essentially... Republicans, particularly MAGA Republicans, very inward looking. Their line is look after America before you look after everyone else. And they've wrapped a whole load of kind of, they're wrapping a whole load of border protection stuff, domestic border protection stuff, into this international aid, military aid program, aren't they? I mean, it doesn't really happen here. We, we, have, we have rules in our legislation where you can't just throw something entirely unrelated into a bill. I think it's called a hybrid bill. But in the United States, you can tack anything you like, it seems. And it's like, the MAGA Republicans are holding this bill hostage in order to get stronger border controls in the South. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they they had to drop those um, those border provisions, mm. um, which I mean was it's really weird because it's a huge issue for Republicans. They want these restrictions, and it was actually a huge coup that the restrictions tied up in that bill were like the strictest actually that they'd kind of been able to promote for some time. But uh, Trump, who campaigned very very successfully on the border in 2016, is kind of keen that it remains a live issue. So rather than solve the border crisis mm. as as the Republicans would see it, he wanted that, that to. Drop from the bill, so it would remain a, 
a quote-unquote problem so that he could continue to campaign on it. So that's one piece of it. And then also in the House, um, obviously the bill has now passed the Senate, now moves to the House. We have Speaker Mike Johnson, uh, the Republican Speaker, who's in a very, very weak position, absolutely not in a position to rock the boat whatsoever. And yet you've got these MAGA Republicans who are absolutely not for passing the bill because they just, you know, they don't really have a problem with Putin attacking Ukraine. And then on the Democrat side, you have a lot of progressive Democrats who have a real issue with what Israel's doing in Gaza, and they're not keen on more military spending for Israel. So it's just a huge mess yeah. <laughs> from every conceivable angle. Finn, are we going to have to face the horrible prospect that maybe David Cameron might not be the total useless idiot and failure that we thought he was? Well, at the very least, he's got previous failure to think on mm. in that I guess he's sort of been burned by the whole um, Syria and Libya interventions. And so he's bringing that maybe into, he's found his voice in campaigning for the uh, US to join in on this one. I mean, it says something about the current Tories that Cameron is the one that you're kind of, yeah. oh, good, he's speaking. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's Yeah, it's like you're, you're bringing on like a kind of 40-year-old one-legged midfielder yeah, and going, of, great, glory days. Yeah, it's like when, when United signed Michael Owen and you're like, in like 2005, you're like, he hasn't got any legs, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> What's the background to this story about the Russians putting nukes into space then? Because this is, the Telegraph has given a huge prominence, it's their lead today. And when you dig into the story, I mean, it's firstly, it's not like they're going to be launching nuclear bombs from space, you know, onto Manchester. <laughs> uh, it seems to be designed to knock out communications grids. Yes, but I mean to be clear, that's still really bad. I mean yes. that's still like it's quite, it's quite bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, sorry, is nuclear bombs in space bad or good? I wasn't sure. <laughs> um, like you know, military satellites. I, I would say at yeah. this point in time perform a pretty important function. So I mean, this Russian satellite, as far as we know, it's 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 not launched yet. You know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not up there. It's just in the works. I think one of the sort of really key worries is that the U.S. currently has no capacity to defend itself against such a weapon. So. I mean, if, if it does get up there, we're, we're kind of sitting ducks. Right. Um, so that's really worrying. And so, yeah, it could destroy satellite communications. And yeah, it's... It's, it's a bad thing. It's, it's, a, ba- it's a bad it's thing. It's really, really bad. It's also against, um, we had an outer space treaty signed in 1967, which bans all nuclear weapons in orbit. But yeah, the Russians don't have an amazing track record for standing by Cold War agreements. So. I saw this book in a in a airport the other day. You know, Tim Marshall, Prisoners of Geography, really good book. Oh yeah, about, like, those books are fantastic. Yeah, yeah. His, his new one is all about how the next world war is going to be in space. And mm. so I saw that and went, ah, come on. And now I'm getting a bit anxious. On the face of it, like, that's fine. I'm not in space. I'd really rather it was there than here. You so. will be in space by the time this is finished. Oh, Finn, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Republican mm. right-winger, QAnon fan, conspiracy theorist, you know, general hot mess, telling <laughs> David Cameron, David Cameron needs to worry about his own country. And frankly, he can kiss my ass. She seems to think he's still the prime minister. Are you a fan purely for the material? Yeah, yeah. Narratively, I'm a big fan. Mm. I mean, she's the definition of hot mess. She sort of treats the, uh, she walks around the House of Representatives a bit like a, a, bu- a sort of schoolgirl bully. Yeah. She's seen Mean Girls. This is some of her, her sort of greatest hits, wildest moments. She showed Congress genuine, well, supposedly genuine nude photos of Hunter Biden and then uh, claimed that it was like the American people need to see this. The American Um, people want to see this. Hunter uh, Biden's not bad looking. (laughs) She called a fellow senator a little bitch on the House floor. Well, that was was Lauren Boebert, who's also a fruitcake and horrible and infamous theatre groper during Beetlejuice. 
Um, she heckled Biden during the uh, State of the Union speech, and there's a great photo in a Business Insider article of her giving him a big thumbs down. Yeah. <laughs> no thanks, pooey speech. She's, real she's like treating it like it's kind of real like the voice stuff. or something. Yeah, you know. really funny. She's, she was caught chasing Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez down a hall, calling her a chicken. Um, and it she does. also, I mean, it, it's slightly less, well... Uh, she she stoops so low as to harass a survivor of the Parkland High School shooting and sort of calling him like a crisis actor and all that fucking nonsense. But yeah, she's she's narratively you'd have to say she's up there with one of the best. She's she's absolutely appalling and yeah. she's twenty twenty four in a nutshell. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. On Papercuts, we worship at the altar of the headline, the pirouetting puns of the star, the clever observations of the Guardian, and those mad 100-word streams of weird consciousness that the male likes to do. Why did they do it? Nobody knows. On every episode of the podcast, we rifle through the papers for the best ones. What have we got today? Finn, you've got a clean sweep in the star. As always, the star brings it. Yep, so following on from their headline, their leader about smelly feet, stinking tootsies are a turn on for millions of Brits. The headline is Feet Hearts. All oh, right, okay, very Valentine's, <laughs> very late Valentine's, yes. Then there's a story about how an asteroid discovery may point to alien life uh, because they've seen uh, surface water. And the uh, headline is Water Meteor. Oh, very good. Good Get your water meteor red. Yes. Then there's a story about a guy who couldn't afford the flights to a lad's holiday to Ibiza. So he's walking there. And the headline is One Foot in the Rave, which I is f- strong. <laughs> it's strong. I feel like they keep... One Foot in the Rave seems to turn up in the Star of the Sun about every six weeks. They Does find it? a, it's either, you know, well, I think they, they, they had Rave in the Nave, One Foot in the Nave. Yeah. One Foot in the Grave seems to be just the, the headline source that gives and gives and gives. And then finally in the Star, American tourists have branded Stonehenge boring. <laughs> <laughs> And the headline is Moan Henge. Very good. I like that. Also suitable for uh, late night sexy times in the Neolithic area. Moan Henge. Oh, my God. uh, Would you like a quote from a North Carolina family? Yeah, go on. This place is boring. That's the quote. (laughs) (laughs) Holly, can you beat that? I'm not sure. Okay, so uh, the Sun have a story about Adele, who's been hit by backlash from fans who face stumping up nearly a thousand pounds to see her in concert this summer. So some of these tickets are nine hundred and eighty-four pounds, which is insane. Yes. Headline is that's Adele of a price. Okay, very good. I would also have accepted chasing payments. Oh my yeah. god. <laughs> the freelancers. The freelancers lament. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh god. Um, <laughs> triggering. Okay, um, and so oh god. Classic content. The Mirror is talking about how we're not sleeping anywhere near enough, which I feel like we talk about yeah. almost every day. And you're also Britain's most noted um, insomniac. Ambassador, yeah, no. I, ambassador I, for being awake. I can't believe I've never been asked for a quote. Anyway, so yeah, we average just six hours of sleep per night. Yawning has broken. Okay, very mm. good. It's kind of, I mean, it's taking me back to kind of school days. It's kind of, <laughs> it's kind of quite nice. 
Then also in the mirror, strong stuff in the mirror today, we have man found with two million counterfeit cigarettes says they were for own personal use. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I, kind of, I kind of respect that. Yeah. I'm a two million a day, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I'll try to cut down. <laughs> uh, headline is Siggy Star Bust. That's brilliant. That's yeah. it. I actually had to read it three times and realise why it's brilliant. Siggy Star Siggy Star Bust. Yeah. What's, Amazing. The, what's the Star doing in there? Well, he's he, kind of like the Don of Siggies, isn't he? I see, he's right. boss yeah. man of Tabs. Okay. It wasn't in Russia or anything. No, but right. it would be better if he was. Yeah. If it was kind of a Russian Siggs. No, it's still strong. It's still it is very strong. good. Very impressed. Also on the mirror, on the back page, uh, we've got a very evocative photo of uh, Wayne Rooney holding up his fists during a football match. This is about how he's tempted to swap sports from football and step into boxing on YouTube. Okay. <laughs> Quite Why not? Pivot. Why not? Headline is, let's get ready to roomble. Roomble. Okay, roomble. very good. And they, a call of the paper has done this. And they seem to have based it around the fact that one point in his playing career, like 15 years ago, he was sort of doing a boxing stance on the pitch. Yeah. I was like, this is the picture that validates the story from top to bottom. And they've got another one underneath of him sort of leaning. I mean, it's actually kind of extraordinary. He's like leaning back at kind of almost a 45 degree angle. So as if ducking an invisible yeah. fist. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's enough. Wayne Rooney and the invisible fist. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, back in the news pages, the Mail has a bit of a bizarre one. This is part of the Mail's enormously successful, primarily online celebrity offering. Johnny Depp's bizarre bromance with MBS, Per have a genuine connection, and Pirates of the Caribbean star has become a believer that Saudi Arabia is in the midst of a cultural revolution. That's the headline, right? That's longer than the story in the Daily Star. It appears that Johnny Depp advertiser of the famous perfume sausage has become <laughs> big pals with Mohammed bin Salman. You wouldn't have thought they, they have sausage in Saudi Arabia, would you? Maybe it's lamb. Maybe yeah, it's yeah. baguettes. Maybe that's allowed. You know, think outside of the sausage Sorry. box, Finn. Holly, who is Mohammed bin Salman? What do we need to know about him? And what on earth does Johnny Depp see in this bromance? That's a really good question, because I have to say, Mohammed bin Salman really shouldn't be at the top of anyone's friend list. Um, so yeah, he's he's a young, 38-year-old uh, de facto ruler of Saudi Arabia. He's on a big uh, image reno. So there have been lots of accusations, for example, sports washing. They're getting into golf. Um, they're trying to kind of pull massive performers over to the country. The reason <laughs> that they need this um, big run of it is um, primarily that per the results of an investigation uh, in 2021, then someone had the journalist Jamal Khashoggi chopped into pieces. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, Khashoggi went missing on the 2nd of October in 2020, was it? A few years ago, after entering the Saudi consulate in Istanbul, he'd gone there to collect papers so that he could marry his fiancée, and he was never seen again. Yeah. And an incredibly disturbing audio was uncovered from this, um, in which you could literally hear him being dismembered. Bin Salman uh, denied responsibility, but the US decided, no, actually, you, it was yeah. on your orders. Um, so yeah, unbelievably disturbing and also very totemic of Salman's to general attitude, attitude toward dissenters. Added to which, I mean, like Saudi Arabia, not a place you want to be gay in, still capital punishment. Possibly. Yeah, it, it's, it's grim. It's grim. He's not a nice man. Finn, I mean, this... Does this culture washing work? I mean, they spent $409 million on Newcastle United and Amnesty called it a PR tool to distract from the country's abysmal human rights record. Well, it, it does work. I mean, clearly, because people don't care, like Newcastle fans don't care 
Because Newcastle are... Well, it's even more complicated than that because Newcastle United fans who criticise this have found themselves attacked by mm. large numbers of social media figures, many of whom don't seem to be real people. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, there's a real fear amongst Newcastle United, about the, the dissenting minority, yeah. that, like, it's not just on the pitch, it's elsewhere. But also golf, golf's been completely, like, completely torn apart by Saudi Arabia's intervention in that all the, the kind of, you know, the, the most traditional kind of um, rules... Uh, austere, you know, respectable sport has now been basically torn apart, and all the competitions are all the best players aren't playing in them now because they've got this, got this deal mm. with um, the Live Golf, which you know doesn't they're not natural bedfellows, Saudi Arabia and golf. Um, not a lot of grass around there. No, and um, you know, for years they didn't let women drive, which means they've got to um, move the tee a bit further forward. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, I, the, annoyingly, it kind of does work, and I guess this is just an extension of that in that they're now getting film stars to essentially be like influencers for yeah. the cultural project. I mean, the whole quote is is weird, right? It's Depp going, we are good friends, and I have become a believer that... I mean, it's almost like he's got a gun to his head. I, I don't think you can I be friends with MBS. Well. Yeah, I don't think you can be friends with MBS and not believe in that they're in the midst of a cultural revolution. your favourite history nerds are back. Yes, we at We Are History have been trawling the history shelves of our local bookshops. Well, I have, John. You mostly went round finding your books and moving them to the front of the displays. If I can find them, it's a bonus. We are ready to tell you all about what we've learned, from the revolting French to some revolting women. Via some Brits abroad and a foul-mouthed Irishman. So, download We Are History. Our laughable attempt at a silly history podcast. With me, John O'Farrell, and me, Angela Barnes. Wherever you get your podcasts. Thank God for features and lifestyle, the meaty filling in the Cornish pasty that is the modern newspaper. Be it titillating true life, astonishing advice, phantasmagorical fashion, or whatever it is that Adrian Charles does, we are very here for it. And there's an absolute banger in the Times today, isn't there, Holly? Vulgar food. Nigella is right. Nutella is vulgar. And that's just the start of it, is the headline. Talk us through this contribution to journalism. It's incredible because this comes from one quote from Nigella, which is actually ultimately very positive about Nutella and pancakes. She, she's basically saying like, oh, you know, my children like nut Nutella with their pancakes because we live in a more vulgar age. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a good thing too. Yeah, love it. I mean, Nigella's like a huge fan of kitsch. It's like a whole thing. Hilary Rose has taken this and admirably just filled an entire page with foods that are vulgar, which I guess by her metric is like something to avoid. Um, some examples, um, piping anything. So like, you know, when you sort of squeeze icing into a little shapes on When you're stuff. fanny craddocking it. Yeah. yeah. Or actually, I imagine piped mashed potatoes. That I've, I've, okay. I, I feel like that's probably more vulgar. Fake vegan meats. She says chicken, with a little apostrophe, is both an ugly made-up word and nonsense. If you have to start your meal by asking what the main ingredient is, you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. um, going on about seasonality. Um, <laughs> so that's like very 
gauche, apparently. So she says, ask yourself this. Do Findus crispy pancakes have a season? No. <laughs> every time of the year. So yeah. everything there is a season. Are they any less delicious for it? No, they are not. And then she says, you know, complicated condiments. So horseradish with pink peppercorns, flavoured mustards. Um, like, there's, I can kind of see where she's coming from, where like things are kind of twiddled with unnecessarily to make themselves sound, you know, you can yeah. have like a bit of broccoli, like sneeze on a packet of crisps and suddenly they've got greens in them. Like, I see mm. what she's saying. Um, so other examples, flavoured hummus, Chateau brand. I don't really know. <laughs> okay. It's a kind of steak. It's a it's a very seventies name for steak. Chateaubriand. Chateaubriand is very yeah. expensive. It's just of steak. Yeah. Non bird's eye fish fingers. This, I mean, I gotta say, this this all feels very personal. I'm not sure how universally applicable um, these opinions are, but you go, Hillary Rose. Do you like, think she's getting things off her chest? Do you think she's looking yeah. at a couple and going, "Who bought this shit? I didn't want this." She ran where others walked. So yeah. nothing but respect. I've got to say, I, I take my hat off to this as a, as an example of the feature writer's craft, where you've basically balanced an inverted pyramid of quality stuff on a tiny pinhead of one little tiny yeah. quote from from uh, from Nigella. Finn, what did you think? Is, is Nutella on a pancake vulgar? If it is, then lock me up. I, I do I do agree with a lot of what she says, though. Um, uh, I, think, I think there are some brands that we should just accept make stuff, mm-hmm. like baked beans is Heinz. Yeah. Ketchup, Heinz, Helmer's mayonnaise. Yeah. I don't think other brands... I think they should be like... Um, Champagne. I think if you if you make mayonnaise and you're not Hellman's, you can't call it mayonnaise. But you want to have Appalachian Controle beans. Yeah, ex- yeah, yeah exactly, from, exactly. Well, DOC. Well, if they don't come from Heinz, they're just sparkling beans. Exactly, kind of yeah, thing. sparkling yes. beans in tomato. Yeah, hmm. I, I agree with her on flavored hummus. Um, I, you know, bird's eye fish fingers. Uh, but yeah, I don't really see where she's got it from. But she has filled. She's just ranting in bullet points. It's my favourite kind of feature writing. I've got to say, it's a bit funny to kind of balance the whole thing on uh, you know, on the word of Nigella, whom I love. Nigella is to blokes in their 50s what Taylor Swift is for everybody else. But a woman whose kind of career is is built on going, oh, my cream horn is leaking. You yeah. know, I'm going to plump up my potatoes. All this Me kind of stuff. Croave. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and the, to sort of, sort of balance the thing about what's kind of like you and non-you in the food world on that. But what, is, what, are the, what does she mean by vulgar? Does she just mean common? Is it a snob thing or... Or is it is it more a reaction against the? Because I get the whole like I do think food has gone too far. Food has gone too far. <laughs> what we should stop eating it? No, I just mean that at the moment everyone's just so I don't know whether it's Instagram or it's whatever, but the, the like food as art. Mm. I just think we're losing sight of like a proper greasy spoon or just basic. Do you know what I mean? Well, loads of the chefy stuff is like oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna make a proper black pudding or I'm gonna make a well, proper meat a, potato I feel, pie. I feel like that's a reaction to yeah. basically putting you know beetroot hummus or just everything is is like hackable mm. oh you know i've i've made you know crisps foam Exa- yeah exactly yeah. yeah but food should be vulgar shouldn't it it's sensual sexy it's pure sensuality it put nutella on whatever you like i saw nutella on spaghetti on the internet the other day oh i don't know how we'll feel about that oh yeah i'm into that yeah give it a go live a little What's your favourite vulgar foods then? I mean, I, 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 or, or least favourite, shall we say, the ones that drive you mad? Because I am driven to a rage by people putting bacon butties in brioche buns. Brioche buns are crap. They don't taste nice. Just have a proper wholemeal bun or even just like a normal white, like a crusty cob. Not a bloody brioche. No, it's not. It's not sustaining. Like I, I've so often been like put off what sounds like a really, really incredible sandwich because it's just like sat between two clouds, two like yeah, milky yeah, clouds yeah. that will not keep me full for longer than five seconds. Yeah, no, that also, as previously discussed, 
tea bags that are like rather than kind of like your good sort of Yorkshire tea tea bags yeah. are actually kind of like you know those little um, laundry bags that you put I, I'm talking to, I don't know why I'm looking at you two that you put your bras in yeah. <laughs> so like not getting we know, we know. <laughs> you know those yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so they don't get mixed up in the rest of the laundry like those and they're full of like real tea which is meant to sort of make you feel better about spending I don't know three pounds on a tea out but then you just get this like lukewarm incredibly weak like crap rendition of tea yeah where just like PG tips or Yorkshire tea would be so much better yeah it's like half a pound of pencil shavings yeah. inside of Femidom does yeah. not make a cup of tea just have Thai food have Yorkshire tea have PG tips oh, have Tetley like a normal person especially when it's like a fruit tea or something or worse a flower tea fucking like I don't want to eat roses it's yeah. so yeah. annoying sourdough can fuck off as well it's I too can't, it's just, can't cut it it's also full of holes yeah like that's it's like meant to look really really cool and it's like no no it's like you've got like half the amount of bread again it's the brioche problem it's You're like basically that buying air yeah we've got more annoyed about this than we did about Russia putting a nuclear <laughs> weapon into space it's, it's the absolute rage oh, yeah, flower tea yeah that is vulgar meanwhile in the mail marital comedy ahoy or so we're promised the front page strap is what happened when we relived our car crash wedding night in the same hotel room and the picture of Anna Maxted and her husband Phil sitting in bed in silk pyjamas clinking champagne promises screwball comedy. The feature is inspired by the Jessica Parker, Matthew Broderick play Plaza Suite, which is on at the Savoy at the moment. A long-married couple redo their wedding night and it all goes horribly wrong. And Anna Maxted is reenacting this with her husband for the male. Finn, what's going on and what did you make of this? So the basic premise is that Anna Maxted and her husband are, are going back to the suite that they spent their wedding night in. And as you say, the photo is kind of like screwball comedy, mm. rom-com. The article is fucking bleak. Uh, it is. <laughs> yeah. It turns I feel out. I was missold like a yeah, pension. It, it turns out basically, and it's also quite funny, just if you look at the spacing of it. So Anna writes maybe three quarters of the article, mm. and then it has a tiny box with Phil's perspective. And Phil just goes, yeah, I was depressed at the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, a third of the way, and it turns out that the reason the wedding was uh, wedding night was a bit of a disaster was Phil was suffering from crippling depression, and yeah, later was uh, later turned I hugely mean, to drink. Yeah, the whole thing sort of makes um, on Chesil Beach look like the Beano. Like it's it's bleak, and it's a totally missold photo. That said, it's it, towards the end, you 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 actually your heart is is going out to them, and it does actually resolve itself in quite a. a, a a moderately cheering way because we're sold a screwball comedy and actually it's a getting through a, 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 an ordeal of a marriage and, 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 and it's it's a diary of three decades of PTSD is what it is yeah um, and um, yeah I guess they're still together which I really is good. felt for them actually and yeah. it made me question the whole thing of do you need to offload every aspect of your private life into the pages of female magazine yeah it's interesting that it's um, hawking off your private life for for um Public get. I don't know. I mean, it's beautifully written. I will say that. Yeah. What did you think, Holly? So I think it's very encouraging that they're still together. Love that for them. But he he mentions, I think he was 24 when they got yeah. married, Phil. And I have to say, just like kids out there, if you're 24 and you're feeling really rubbish and you're not sure whether you're, you should get married, don't. Um, yeah. Just like give it a few years because not everyone emerges 30 years down the line um, and it's all okay. A lot of it is from her perspective and there's some, you know, some really kind of sweet testimony from her 
to their relationship. She mentions, again, like literally every single potential sad thing happens. I think she says her father died about mm. a year before they got married. And she mentions how, you know, wonderful Phil was. He was cooking her dinners, looking after her. So she sort of says, oh, you know, he he meant mostly remembers that he was in this really dark period, but he forgets that he was really looking after me. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, that, that's really nice, but also... God, it sounds like it was miserable for him. The picture reminded me of the one on the front of the DVD of It's Complicated with Meryl yeah. Streep, which is like a really adorable caper about older people finding love. And yeah. it's like it's like th- exactly that, but like in red silk pajamas. And like and again, like as Finn mentioned, so much of it is written by her, but about him. And I'm always a bit uncomfortable about people telling someone else's story. Like that, that's that's the bit that slightly great. It's like if he was relaying. Yeah. But as Finn does say, he gets he gets his bit at the end. He, does. And he gets so good. <laughs> he gets a good, word in. <laughs> good luck to you, Phil. And I'm, and I'm actually glad that the both of them have kind of um, ironed it all out. What's the lesson here? Don't write about your life in detail in the mail. And that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Remember to follow us on your favourite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. We're out Monday to Friday. Thank you, Finn Taylor. What about those live dates again? Where can they get the tickets again? FinnTaylor.com. Good. And thanks to Holly Thomas. What are you up to now? What are you up to now? I'm off to work. Okay. (laughs) This is work, Holly. I'm off to my real job, guys. Um, And then I'm going to wander around London and see what I find. Look at you. And of course, thanks to you, our listeners, for listening, especially the members of the Papercut Supporters Club. You keep us going. You keep our children and our pets fed. And you also get a shout out on the show like this. Hello and huge thanks. You really bake our cake. Erica S. Nelson. Hello. Many thanks and allowed Gordon's Alive to Brian Bissett. And thanks for funding my morning bowl of tepid gruel. It is truly appreciated, Fergal O'Meara. Listeners, you too can be among these giants of humanity. Just go to the link in the show notes or visit back.papercutsshow.com. I've been Andrew Harrison and you've been listening to Papercuts on a day when the Metro revealed that boffins, them again, in South Korea, have grown beef cells inside rice grains, creating what they call a nutritious and flavourful hybrid food. Supposedly... This is the next avocado toast. We just think it's a huge mistake. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Papercuts was written and presented by Podmasters Group Editor Andrew Harrison with Holly Thomas and Finn Taylor. The producer was Liam Tate. Assistant producer was Adam Wright. And audio producer was me, Jade Bailey. Music is by Simon Williams. Socials by Jess Harpin. Design by Jim Parrott with original art by Modern Toss. The executive producer is Martin Boytosh and the managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. Paper Cuts.